This is the War on 94 Sports Podcast, your weekly dose of everything Chicago and Milwaukee sports. Now, here are your hosts, Frank Fernandez and Evan Schleinser. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Another episode of the War on 94 podcast is here. It's Frank with Evan, our little Swiss boy, as always. We are back (laughs) here to bring you everything in the world of Chicago and Milwaukee sports. Evan, how are you feeling? I want to start with I I will. I, I like the name little Swiss boy and want to be referred to as little Swiss boy from here on out. Just barely finally getting over the jet lag, I think. Uh, it's been almost a week since we came back from Switzerland, as implied. And, yeah, it took way longer than I expected. I'm sure weekend festivities with the 4th of July didn't help at all, but here oh, yeah. we are. How, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe alive for once. How, how about you? How are you feeling? I feel good. I'm plugging in you my step- lap. Oh, my okay. lamp. I was say, you stepped away. Here there. it is. Still <laughs> oh, have the, the mic in my hand. Right. The lamp. Shed some light on this. In. You did. You did. You took that with you. Very, very Shed's, professional of you. Shed some light on this situation over here. No, I'm exactly. good. Exactly. Fourth of July weekend was a, a nice, uh, relaxing time. Went to the beach. Saw family. Can't complain. But boy, will I. As we get into oh, we got all that's going on, oh, as always, we wouldn't be we wouldn't have a show if we didn't have complaints. We're gonna skip we're gonna skip the best thing we saw this week, and we're gonna go right into it. Let's start with something we didn't get to talk about before you left, and that is the Brewers are the well not the latest team but the latest team that we talk about on this podcast to put out a City Connect jersey. Thoughts. Can you give us a little breakdown of what the jersey looks like? So give us a visual aid for the people. Okay. Uh, do I need to go grab my my version of the well, jersey? No, because they can't see you. But like a, like a metaphysical, right, right, a metaphysical visual me- yeah, aid, if that's a thing. Metaphorical visual aid, metaphysical is that'd be pretty impressive. Just get Anyways, into it. Get into um, it. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's a great jersey. Very, very summer vibes, which if you know anything about Wisconsin and Milwaukee, that's a huge, huge part of the character of that city. The summer parties, the summer barbecues, the summering, and mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of it, so gotta celebrate what we do. It's a sky blue right. jersey, kinda going back to that seventies brewer vibes, the powder blues. Got the traditional navy and white and gold accents. Some of the finer details that I can remember, obviously it says brew crew across the chest and kind of a fun script, again, summery, kind of summer fest almost a little bit. Kind of like vibe 80s, to it. 80s rock and roll is what it kind of reminds me of. Yeah, like, exactly. It's good. It's 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 just fun and nothing it's okay. crazy. It's nice. Um, it's fine. They ask you how you are, you just have to say that you're fine when you're not yeah, really fine. I mean, I'm not like All the right, biggest listen, fan of it. Listen, this is my biased review. Come on now. <laughs> I like the colors. <laughs> I like the grill logo. I say so grill on the side on one sleeve, a little nice. I same as the baseball that has the wheat. It's a grill that has baseball stripes through it. Obviously referring to the tailgating scene. Uh, that is probably my favorite part of the jersey. And there was I know there was many on Brewers Twitter clamoring for a hat specifically of that. They did end up mm-hmm. getting that wish. I had to restrain myself from buying that. I bought too much already. <laughs> The I do like it. the The hat logo is where I'm going to go to next. The MKE and four one four together. It looks. I know you're giving me a weird face. Uh, it's a little odd. It's a little odd. And it's a little loud. But that was only the, the first logo we all only saw in the leaks. That obviously ended up being yeah. confirmed. But it was like, if that was across the chest, I think there would have been issues. The hat's kind of fine. I like the superimposed, especially the 414. People take pride in the number. You know, obviously, area code sure. pride is a thing, especially in smaller cities. It's not my favorite. I get it, and I respect it. Um, I'm going to keep focusing on the grill instead. My one favorite fine detail of the jersey is on the trim on the sleeves. It's a 
yellow and white trim, but the yellow is wider than the white and the yellow is lower than the white. So the idea is it's supposed to look like a, a, a glass of beer with a little like foam oh. head on top, if you kind of can imagine that. It's really kind of maybe a little bit stretched, but it's um, it's clearly intentional and I like it a lot. And then I haven't seen it yet because I don't think it happened the debut weekend, but th- they will also wear them like a lot of other teams. They decide they're going to wear them on every Friday home game for the rest of the season or Friday games or fan you know appreciation days. And the Brewers every Friday are going to or have announced that they're going to add I haven't seen where, but they're going to add a patch of a local tavern. Like uh, it's been, it's been like, there's a, there's a bunch of initiatives for that. There's like a tavern of the game that can call in and get like ticket packs already. It's an already existing thing through Valley sports broadcasts. Mm -hmm. There's been this push among the players, which I don't think we've talked about on this podcast at all, but they call it like picking up a tab. Basically they call into a bar and they pick a bar and the, you know, for one day, the, like a certain player like like Rowdy, for example, or Christian Yelich is picking up the tab at this bar in Wauwatosa or something, you know, a tavern, a small tavern or bar, and they're all picking different ones and each player has taken their turn. So it's kind of just like with the, with the beer and the tavern being such an integral part of Wisconsin in general and a part of this baseball team, obviously the Milwaukee Brewers, it's cool little nod to, you know, things that back to the city and back to what makes Milwaukee gives Milwaukee its identity. Yeah. I'm overall a huge fan of it. I love the powder blue in general. I love that they paired it with white pants and not powder blue pants. That's my favorite bit about it. But I think if I'm going to give it a, like a number grade, I'm going, I think I'm going to go an eight out of 10. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think the Jersey is super cool. I love the color. The bit about the beer is really cool. And the tavern patch, I like that as well. Um, The hat just doesn't do it for me. It looks very, it's just too much. It looks like, uh, like something a little kid might wear. It's just very, it doesn't look great to me altogether. But I mean, overall, I'd give it like a seven out of 10. Honestly, I think if you're just going by jer, I think if we're comparing Cubs and Brewers jerseys, City Connect jerseys, I'd say Brewers win on jersey, Cubs win on hat. I don't know if we can agree yeah, on that. That's fair. No, that I, I would definitely Cubs agree on that. I hat love the hat is very the simple and like cool, like fits the you know the whole vibe of like the flag and whatnot. But the Brewers jersey definitely. I, I mean, I think powder blue and baseball just go so well together. Something about it. Oh yeah, it's and it and it harkens back to the Donna. You can't overdo it. Eh, no, I don't know. It won't unless you like, unless you're like the University of Illinois and you just all of a sudden pop out a powder blue jersey when that's not one of their colors. Like has never been, <laughs> but they just tried <laughs> yeah, trying to get on the trend bad. apparently. But yeah, uh, so pretty cool. And then another jersey thing we wanted to talk about was Fourth of July was as of this recording yesterday Monday. And we had, you know, traditionally for most holiday weekends, uh, MLB has special hats or gear that teams wear. Um, Cubs and Brewers are currently in a series right now, and they so they faced off on Monday in Miller in um, whatever they call right it now. Away, um, and American Family the Field. The hats, Evan. Can we talk about the hats? So bad, dude. I hate them. I hate them. MLB yeah, has jumped awful. the shark. They have jumped the shark on the America hats. It used to be like, I remember it was like a red hat, and then it was like a blue hat, and then it was uh, like a white hat with a red logo, or a white hat with a red brim, white hat with a blue rim, blue brim. And now they have just, they've gone too far. They've got this splash painting of the American flag. It's like a three tri-colored hat. It's it was bad. And then it looks like a gas arm, station hat. Yes, the arm sleeves that the players are wearing hated that. One arm like well Contreras <laughs> had like one arm stripes, one arm mm-hmm. stars, like awful. It looked so bad. It's like where's Waldo ass like MLB gear? Like <laughs> what are we doing? It's too much. I think the sleeves and socks, but for me, were f- fine. 
like it's one series a year. Like that's what they should be doing. Like make it clear. Like the the. But I think you're absolutely you hit the nail on the head with the hats. It's 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 bad. It's childish. It looks awful. The funniest bit about it, and I don't know if you caught this, the Toronto Blue Jays obviously don't play in the U.S. Sure. But were given a hat because all 30 teams were given a hat initially that had stars and stripes on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and were meant to wear a hat on which is the Canada Day, which is their national day of celebration of independence and country pride, is like the day before. It was Friday, I think. And they were meant to wear this red, white, and blue striped hat for this weekend series that was like American patriot patriotism. Sure. And I think caught enough flack and they had to just like tone it back to just like, I think just like solid stripes. It might've been red all the way, like to just be more like the Canadian flag or just red and white, but just how that slips past an approval team in any <laughs> sense, it, it just boggles my mind. Yeah. You know, the, like if it was like the, the subtle details or whatever, they have a red hat, they have a blue hat, like things like that you mentioned, but like to have the full on resemblance of an American flag, it's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Not great overall. I would agree with you. No, it's just, we've gone too far. It's, it is what it is. I mean, you can only do it so many times where you have something that like everybody is like, okay, this is fine. Like obviously people will always find something wrong with everything that gets put out, especially when it comes to fashion. All of a sudden, everyone is the fashion police on Twitter um, right. whenever anything is introduced in in sports. But, yeah, it was just bad. Bad look, ugly, and, uh, yeah, but it is what it is. One game, now we're on, to, we're on to July 5th, and we're past it. Thank God. Yeah, our nas- thank God. Our national nightmare is over. We're back with our fantasy team. If you've been paying attention, I hope you have. I really hate explaining this every episode, but we have been putting together a team of the last 20 years, Cubs, Brewers, and we are on to... uh, I'm on the year 2008. I think you're on the year 2009? Correct. For some reason, as we always say every episode, we are off on the years, but that's fine. It's fine. Get over it. We're past it. We're good. Uh, We're good. You start 2009 Brewers. Who do you got? Yes, uh, this is a great one, and and one, if you're not counting up his years, you might forget he was a Brewer because many people remember him. Hall of Famer, let's start there. Many people remember him, and I think he went into the Hall as a San Diego Padre. Mm. But this is, I think, the first addition to my bullpen, and you said, mm, you know who it is. It's one Trevor Hoffman. Oh, it is. Yep. In his 2009 season, he pitched 54 innings, accounting 37 saves, at a 1.83 ERA, which, do the math, that allows to 11 earned runs over 54 innings. Uh, that's wow. that's not a lot. And it, it was not. enough to get him all-star vote. Yeah, it was his first year um, with the Brewers. It was enough to get him an all-star vote. And I have to go now to the Wikipedia for fun facts because, of course. But he's, I mean, stud. That's like, bottom yeah. line, long and short of it, an absolute stud. Was brought in to help beef up that bullpen when the you know when this team was starting to be competitive and you know push for the world series he actually this is a really good bit and i just remember this watch you know he he he, i think he was one of the ones obviously it's uh rivera is most famous for his enter sandman walk-up song yeah but he he used hell's bells from acdc i think it's a great choice it's a really good one and he is he Remind me, is he, does he have the most career saves, or did he get passed? I believe he still has that mark. I'm not confident on that. Let me look here. Oh, it, it's it's Rivera. He has 652. Hoffman has 601. Oh, okay, that makes that makes but sense. I, was like, I didn't think that was one of his marks, but yeah, I said the only that's a still an elite club. Only two guys with 600. Yeah. Hoffman was signed on a one-year $6 million deal going into that 2009 season, this one that we're highlighting. And he started actually the season late. He came off the DL because he strained a muscle in his rib cage in spring training. Mm. So his debut that season didn't come until late April. And, I mean, NL Pitch of the Month, Delivery Man of the Month, 
right away in May. 11 saves and 12 scoreless appearances in the month. He, he had a, a he had an issue in 2010. He started losing control, and that was his end. Would end up his being his final season. They he had re-signed with the Brewers in the offseason, and and then there was an option on that deal, and they didn't pick up the option, and that was it for him. But he was he was monumental in the All Star game. He pitched, struck out Albert Pujols on three pitches to get his 30th save of the season over St. Louis, and and that save notched his 14th season of his career with at least 30 saves which is a record wow and yeah i mean just a great reliever i really just the era and a saves tell you everything there was a time it was a time when that stat was heavily valued it still is kind of valued but 1.83 era across 55 innings 54 innings of work you can't really top that impressive to have that guy walking out the pen in the ninth that's a good good feeling yeah no definitely uh Definitely a good one. I totally forgot about him being on the Brewers, um, but that's yeah. a nice nice pickup for the bullpen. <clears throat> I got, I'm going back to the year 2008, a good year if you're a Chicago Cubs fan, relatively, and I got my catcher, and his name was Giovanni Soto. And I don't know if you remember Giovanni Soto, but his, his career burned fast and white hot <laughs> to start. Yes. White hot. He came out of the minor. So um, he was drafted 318th overall in the 2001 draft. He was kind of up and down the minors at first. And then in 2007, he was in AAA with the Iowa Cubs. He was the Pacific Coast League MVP, 353 batting average, 26 home runs, 109 RBIs. Very good season. He gets that's called good. up in September, that's good. September of 07. Yeah. Called up in September of 07. Um, hit 389 uh, in in that September. The Cubs made the playoffs. He had a home run in the playoffs in 07. Then, 2008, he was named the everyday starting catcher, and he took advantage. He started out the month. I mean, his best offensive performance of his career was against the Brewers. April 30th, 2008, he capped off a fantastic month of April with a pair of three-run home runs, to finish with six RBIs, the Cubs ended up putting up 19 in that game. And it was coming off a stretch where he had struck out eight consecutive at-bats. So, nice way to bounce back, Gio. Um, finished the month with a 341 average, five home runs, eight doubles, 20 RBIs, OPS of 1059. He ended up being named, as a rookie, being named the starting catcher for the National League All-Star team. One of, like, seven Cubs to be named to that that all-star all-star game that season he caught a no-hitter from carlos zambrano that year in miller park but against the astros i don't know if you remember that one first ever no-hitter in a neutral site and no i know i know miller park has been a neutral site in a lot of occasions i didn't remember that one though wow yeah it was interesting the game the game was supposed to be in in houston hurricane ike came rolling through yeah, they were forced to move, and they and Milwaukee was open. So the Cubs and Brewers, or Bre- Cubs and Astros, went to Milwaukee. It was supposed to be a road game for the Cubs. It was technically a road game, but the entire crowd was Cubs fans. Yeah, and Zambrano. It was a two-game series. Zambrano threw a no-hitter the first day, and then Ted Lilly almost threw a no-hitter the second day. Second day, he went all the way into the seventh inning with a no-hitter. Um, before the Brewers broke, or before the Astros broke it up, um, so that little fun fact for you. Yeah, That's Gio crazy because that the one game. I remember is, yeah, uh, the on the Miller Park neutral site. The one I remember is when the Indians at the time, the year before, had to move their home uh-huh. opener to Milwaukee because they got snowed out here. There was like oh, wow. six to eight inches, and yeah, it was crazy. The the Mariners were obviously, rightfully so, like begging as the game you know it's a what the first game tried to start and it was like snow flying everywhere and the mariners like we can't play this as they called it and then yeah ended up moving the whole series out to miller park so that's that's awesome i didn't realize the cubs had that too yeah pretty cool so then ran away with the nl or with the major league rookie of the year award for the national league 31 out of 32 first place votes i could not tell you who got the one other first place vote but i mean 285 batting average, 23 home runs, 86 RBIs, solid defensive catcher. He was great for that team. And then 
really the rest of his career starting in 09 year after he really just kind of <laughs> never was able to re- recapture that ability to That's hit crazy. or field uh led the major leagues in errors in 2010 lowest fielding percentage in, at 987 for a catcher which is god awful and he was traded in 2012 bounced around a couple different teams and so that was that was really the end for for uh Giovanni Soto but he was, I mean, I really thought he was going to be the Cubs catcher for a long time when he came up, but uh, just wasn't meant to be. Cubs kind of fizzled out quickly after that 08 season, that whole core, and it was they had a big sell-off, and he was part of that in 2012. So mm. it is what it is, but I'm happy to have him on my team because he's, for that time frame, he was the best catcher, uh, one of the best catchers in the league, for sure. Yeah. Thankfully, it's only a one-season game. That's all you need. Exactly. And now from one great Cubs catcher to another great Cubs catcher, let's talk about with the MLB All-Star game coming up at the end of this month, we wanted to discuss All-Stars that we see on each of our teams. So three guys from each of our teams who we think should be in consideration to play in the Midsummer Classic. I'll start, like I said, from one catcher in Giovanni Soto to another. It's Wilson Contreras. He's he's going to be there. I mean, he's already the number one vote-getter as far as catchers go in the major leagues, rightfully so. He is having a spectacular season. Statistically, on pace to be the best of his career. He is on track to break his career highs in home runs, RBIs, OPS, average. Pretty much across the board, he is just been phenomenal for this Cubs team and I'm gonna get choked up just talking about it but he's he I mean (laughs) it's you you know that this the writings on the wall it's it it just feels like you know by the time a week after this all-star game happens we're gonna see him in a different uniform it's gonna be sad um and but it is what it is you know it will he's done everything he can for this organization and yeah, it, but but he's having a great year, so he's super fun to watch. He's been a really great leader for this for this team this season for these young guys, and uh, he seems like he wants to stay, but it just doesn't feel it, it. It doesn't feel like it's gonna happen, and it doesn't feel like it makes sense. As much as I've advocated for it in the past, it just I've come to the terms with it that it's just it's time to go. It and uh, but Wilson Contreras is my first guy for this all-star team and we'll we'll definitely see him there i don't think there's any question about that yeah no they're best catcher in the game right now right arguably probably unanimously uh especially at at the young age that he is he's still under team control a shoo-in really yeah my next guy is more He's just a fun, fun motherfucker, um, and that's Christopher Morrell. <laughs> Ever since he's he's he has been a lightning rod since he came into the major leagues. He immediately um, had a great MLB moment in his first game with a with a booming home run, um, and he's been. I mean, and and he was not like he's not a flash in the pan. He has been solid yeah. since coming up. He is sitting at two seventy two, three forty two, eight twenty five. Eight homers, twenty-three RBIs. He's almost has almost has as many RBIs as Contreras does this season in like thirty less games. We love a little charisma, some flair. Guy can play multiple positions. He is not afraid to put his head down and run as hard as he can. So uh yeah, I'm a big fan of Christopher Morrell. That is our a building block for this team moving forward. And then the other guy is David Robertson. Wait, he, wait, wait. He uh, isn't Go ahead. 825 on base. 825 uh, OPS. Oh, that makes way more come sense. On. That's not including a triple slash line. You can come on me. Triple slash is average. I'm not going to come um, on you. No, I won't. No, I will all not. Right. Keep it PG. <laughs> Noel, edit hey, that all the way hey, out. Hey, brother. Hey, brother, you said you it. You said, come on. I said, come on. <laughs> He said, oh, don't come on me. (laughs) Review the tape. Review the tape. Run it back. Um, Review whose mind was in the gutter. I didn't even realize that. God. Ruining this. Hands up. Hands up. 
My last guy is David Robertson. <laughs> Been the most, the only stable relationship I've had in years with this Cubs bullpen. Um, Eleven saves, one ninety-five ERA. Just a just a professional, all around solid guy out of the pen, and uh, he's definitely gone. I I think just like Contreras, he's a trade chip. Oh yeah, but he's but he's been good. I mean, our our bullpen has been dog shit. So just to have any kind of stability <laughs> is good. If we can get to him in the ninth more often, we'd be in a much better position than we are now. But that's what happens when you're fifteen game, sixteen games under five hundred. Um, at the time of this recording, your your closure does not get a lot of chances. So, yeah, David Robertson. Not a lot of chances. Yeah, good on you. Uh, my honorable mentions, Ian Happ, Keegan Thompson, and Patrick Wisdom. Those are my three other guys I would talk about, but the three I, I mentioned are, are my, my go-tos. So give me the Brewers nominees that you have. Corbin Burns. We're going to go there. You want more? You want more? Rowdy shit. Feel the burn. How about that? 99 innings pitched across 16 starts. He's holding a 2-3-6 ERA with a NL leading 124 strikeouts. I don't know about you, but that's I, I think that's pretty good baseball. This also feels like a shoo-in, even though we don't vote for pitchers. Uh, like your Contreras pick, we vote, we vote on that. But he, mm-hmm. Corbin Burns is going to be there. Come on now. That's like a borderline Cy, like midseason Cy Young candidate right there. Not even borderline. Oh, that is a midseason yeah. Cy Young candidate right there. For sure. 100%. So Burns will be there for sure. Uh, he's a good pitcher, backing up everything that he did last year. Yeah, good baseball. Good baseball. Secondly, oh, no uh, speaking of good baseball, is the we would talk to, I talked one closer already. I'm going to talk another closer, and that is Josh Hader. 25 of 26 in save appearances, which leads the league uh, in saves. He has a 1-3-5 ERA of 45 strikeouts and eight walks, four and runs as well. Um, earlier this season, before giving up back-to-back solo homers against the Phillies in a game, he tied the record for consecutive scoreless appearances uh, at 40, um, and that spanned into last season. Uh, he's another guy who continues to dominate Part of the reason why this Brewers team has stayed good and relevant and in the division lead because the offense has been a little lacking. That's obviously as I'm putting two pitchers first, but also <laughs> Josh Hader, recently a dad. Um, so that's a fun fact. Oh, look Congratulations. At him. It was it was kind of a weird one. He, I think his wife, he had to leave the team for a little bit because his ha- wife was having complications with the labor like, like last second. So he ended up having a longer paternity leave than most, but baby is healthy and safe she's healthy and safe so that's that's pretty sweet and then third place for me probably won't happen but rowdy telez as uh, best offensive player and deser- on the team and deserves a shout 239 384 481 with a team leading 16 homer and and 53 rbi he's been he's been the the him and willie have been the two most productive guys on the offense with McCutcheon and Renfro not far behind but Rowdy is finding a home and not finding a home he's found a home it's amazing what happens when you give a semi-decent player everyday ABs he proves that he is a decent player 120 OPS plus again pretty good at baseball it's not like the greatest especially in the scope of first baseman but I'll take it and then my honorable mentions um, because again I mentioned we suck at hitting Brandon Boxberger Devin Williams and Eric Lauer D-Will is D-Will. He's good at baseball. Boxy is having a great season. Kind of still proving that he's that. Like He's like, in the ideal world, the Brewers start to go six. You go Boxy, D-Will, uh, Hater to close it out, and bada bing, bada boom. Hopefully, like, one run was given up across that entire game. Uh, and then Eric Lauer has been having, we've talked about it before, especially earlier in the season. It's kind of cooled a little bit, but still having, a uh, like, a big, big season, proving what he can be as a starter. Still can he just be consistent. I think he's pushing like a three ERA. Pretty good. Pretty good. So. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you really know the offense is struggling when you have five pitchers and one. Five pitchers? One offensive. Yeah. 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 I one mean, guy that hey, can get votes I, and he's not even in the top five <laughs> in the league. Yeah. I would like to see Rowdy in the home run derby. I think he would fit in well there. Big that body. That could prove fun. Yeah. Rowdy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I th- I think he could definitely and another and let's look at another guy is Patrick Wisdom. I think both of those guys would fit in very well in that competition, um, and that'd be fun to see either of those guys represented. 
in Los Angeles later this month. So definitely cool. We'll we'll keep an eye on that and definitely be talking more as that gets closer. But let's get into a little bit of NBA talk because we have since you've been gone. Shout out Kelly Clarkson. Song, we've Noel. been yeah, we've <laughs> been. Uh, <laughs> We have missed the draft and the start of NBA free agency. So let's break down the draft picks quickly. Um, you you want to start uh, with the Bucks pick? Yeah, just as a caveat, not that we have any of these people that listen to our podcast, but any European people that try and follow American sports, uh, my heart goes out to you. It's damn near impossible. You don't ever catch a game. The headlines are always coming on at weird times. woke up and read and saw the draft news was like oh hey look at that look what happened bucks (laughs) when i when i saw it flash across my phone as i woke up one morning marjan beauchamp as i think i'm saying that right beauchamp sounds right that was the 24th pick in the draft Mm -hmm. he is a six foot six wing with a seven foot wing span and probably one of the best prospect stories you can read about in this draft I mean, this guy has had adversity at every corner of his career, and he still made it to the NBA. You could see how much it meant to him on the stage. Like, I don't think I've seen a picture of him not bawling his eyes out, which I'm not hating. That's one of the best moments of his life, probably, <laughs> and, and he deserves to be oh, happy about yeah. it. Uh, the Bucks are, like, over the moon about him physically and work ethic-wise. It he He's got good rebounding skills. Offensively, he's not afraid to crash the glass, drive the glass, dunk on you. He's really, really good in transition. He's, I think they had clocked 30 different shots he took in transition in the G League last year, which is where he was playing for the G League Ignite. Only one of them didn't finish at the rim. He, he looks to be physically an absolute specimen that can immediately play defense. I think... It wasn't quite the mold. I think I was. I think people were hoping more offensive, and and his offensive game leads a lot to be desired. His mechanics are described all around as clunky, especially in the um, like catch and shoot, like just not a thing he really possesses that well. They mm-hmm. the Bucks see potential, and they think they can improve on that. Which if they can, he becomes a very very viable like long term NBA player. But the defensive side you know articles compare him to or or hark not compare him Kim specifically to but talk about how the the you know PJ Tucker was so vital to the Bucks championship uh quest and they spent all season trying to replace that hole that PJ Tucker left when he left for Miami and this does this goes a pretty long way in filling that he seems to be that you know no nonsense get in your face really aggressive physically especially defensively like not afraid to challenge not afraid to block on the perimeter he can defend multiple positions so defensively it's it's everything you want especially you know phys- physically hopefully the the work ethic and the bucks have a good you know you trust their coaching staff enough to develop a shot some sort of shot with him becomes a really viable pick but it remains to be seen so i think overall i'm i'm happy with the pick it's not where i expected them to go but I, you know, on a team that doesn't need a whole lot when it's when it's healthy to improve and it was looking for a specific role and was able to find it in the draft and they're, mm. they're, the, the front office is sold on that. I, I think I, there's no really no real reason to gripe. Yeah, no, I think it was kind of like a like a best player available scenario. Um, yeah, he was definitely very, you know well liked he came from the G League Ignite which is obviously a place where development happens and it's all focus on development as a player and i think if the shot can come obviously like that's something you work on bucks have a multitude of high volume three point shooters already on their roster so having a guy who can be lengthy and defensive minded and then get to the basket when needed is is great. I think it's a good. I think it's a good addition. It's obviously not like a flashy like name, like a like an EJ Liddell that someone that people know. But it's something that you know people can come to learn as he starts making an impact. Hey, if it was all about flashy, we'd all be end up like the Brooklyn Nets. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I agree then, with you. I'm overall overall I'm like the pick. Yeah. Excited to see what he can do. Definitely. And then a couple moves in free agency. Well, sort of. Bringing back one important piece for sure for the Bucks. 
Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to stick draft first. Well, let's go free agency. Oh, yeah, yeah um, go ahead. Biggest, yeah, go ahead. Biggest one, the headband is back. Four years, $49 million. And he deserves every dollar of every bit of that mon- monetary value, whatever. He deserves all of it. He's found a, a home in Milwaukee. Milwaukee loves him. He plays a great role for us, especially in that rotation of bigs with him, Giannis, and Brooke. Brooke. Wow, that took me way too long to get that. Yeah, uh, there's just not a lot to say about that deal except for it needed to happen, and it did happen, and thank the Lord Mm -hmm. it did. I would say on the side, also coming back is Wesley Matthews, Javon Carter, and Serge Ibaka, which the Ibaka one is interesting. It points to where we talked about in the podcast about how I was initially shocked that many were mocking a center to the the Bucks in the draft, but it highlights exactly that desire for you know someone to support to support brook long term abaka is an interesting answer because he's just as old and and has the same or similar injury concerns to brook but it's insurance policy and they wanted it and they got it done for not a lot of money so and then nuora jordan nuora uh his qualifying offer has been at the time of recording offered to him I don't believe it's been accepted or i guess i'm maybe not familiar with how a qualifying offer works i don't know if it's an auto accept but uh, the quali- qualifying offer has been offered to him, so we'll see what comes of that. So, if they offer him the qualifying offer and he ex- and he doesn't accept, he is a restricted free agent. Meaning that, what if, if for example, the Bulls were to offer him, let's just say three years, thirty million, the Bucks will have then have an opportunity to match Option that match. offer. Okay. Or he was, or he's free to sign if they don't. Okay. If they decline to yeah, match. So it's kind right. of so, yeah. similar. That's like what, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So they've extended that mm-hmm. offer to him. It remains to be seen what will come of it. But all of this just kind of screams that, which if, which a lot of people were reacting this way after the loss, this is a team that believes, and it should, that it still has the pieces and that a healthy Chris Middleton would have been a difference oh, yeah. maker in that series against Boston. And this, they're ready to run him back and try all over again, and they believe they can do it. There's not, you know, nothing screams flashy here except for maybe the one move, but everything is needed to happen. It's everybody who's found themselves a role. Wesley has played himself into a huge role. Carter's contributions were awesome. And, you know, Wesley, it was interesting. Javon didn't immediately speak that he wanted to be back, but obviously the Bucks front office and coaches raved highly about him. So they made it a priority to bring him back. And Wesley immediately mm-hmm. in exit interviews and, and post game pressers was like, I hope I'm back. I want to be back. Blah, blah, blah. So neither of them seemed like they were need to be thought about very hard, bring him back, do it again. The one external move, I, again, nothing big, but this Joe Inglis, Inglis, Ingles. I want to put you little Ingles. Thank you. I see. I go to the Spanish. Uh, Joe Ingles from the from <laughs> the Utah English. Jazz. Habla <laughs> Ingles. I signs on a one year deal. First reported by his wife. Fantastic little <laughs> bit of NBA beat there. That's great. But he seems to be like it, it might be one of those moves that nobody really knows about. But then come you know May. April, May, June of next year, we're going, holy crap, thank the Lord we have this guy. There is a lot, you know, it's a speculative ad. He tore his ACL in, I believe, January of this year. So he is seven or eight months into recovery, maybe back by the start of the season, but certainly back by the end by the end of the calendar year. But his impact, specifically on Utah's side, is a lot of people talking about how, how sorely they're going to miss him. This is a quote directly from the Athletics beat reporter for the Jazz, uh, an article he wrote after after Ingles, Ing- Ingles tore his ACL. He said, make no doubt, not having Ingles is a proverbial gut punch for the Jazz. Simply put, the small floor has been a heartbeat for the organization since coming to Utah after being cut in training camp by the Clippers in 2014. Ingles has been a part of numerous wins. His ability to raise his game significantly helped the Jazz ease the loss of Gordon Hayward. At his peak, he was one of the best role players in the league. Just last season, he was in the running for the league's six-man award, an honor that went to teammate Jordan Clarkson. And that's actually the second time he was in the running for that six-man of the year role. Uh, he's only played mm-hmm. like got like twenty or thirty percent usage when he's in when he's healthy and playing. But the you know the Jazz organization speaks highly of him when he was healthy. Uh, he's proven to be an efficient passer and shot creator, which is kind of something that this team hasn't really had. It's a mm-hmm. lot of just like. There's, you know, there's nobody that can create. Everybody's taking 
So it, it, if, you know, it's a speculative ad, they only invested like six and a half million dollars in them, I believe, on a one year deal. But if it pays off, it could be worth two to three times that amount of money in, in wins and in, you know, value to this team. So it means to be seen, but I'm, I again, optimistic on, on what he could provide. Yeah. And I mean, he was a guy who was, so he tore his ACL and then he was traded um, mm, in mm-hmm. kind of like a salary dump deal to, I want to say Portland. Um, yes. He was traded to Portland year. and Portland was actually where he had his surgery, ironically. Yeah. And so then, so the, the whole idea though, was that he was going to, he got traded to Portland. He was going to rehab surgery, yada, yada. And then when he became a free agent, he was going to come right back to the jazz because he had been, uh-huh. you know, very, like you said, very important piece to that team. He like famously, I don't know if you remember this, but he like famously like cooked, um, Paul George, like multiple times in a playoff series when he was with the thunder and everybody was like, Paul George getting, uh, roasted by Toby Flenderson. Um, Oh he, yes. <laughs> and he's like, He's very, he's like gritty. He is like not, he does not back down from anyone. He's a savvy veteran. I mean, at certain points in his career, he was shooting like 44, 45% from three on like six attempts a game. Like he's a, he is a very nice add to a team that already has, um, like I said, a multitude of very good shooters in Grayson, Connaughton, um, Wesley Matthews. You know, Bobby Portis at times, Middleton, obviously, Holiday. Now you throw in Ingles like this is a very well-rounded team in terms of shooters. Like so adding Ingles is a very nice addition. I was extremely surprised to see him go anywhere other than Utah when that news dropped. Like I was I honestly had forgotten about him. And it's he's just one of those guys where you're like, well, he's on the jazz. Like that's where he plays. Like, you know. So I thought that was a really nice pickup for the Bucks, and uh, I think it's going to, like you said, it's going to go a long way in terms of, like, when it comes to, like, later in the season. This is a guy with a lot of experience in the playoffs, um, in playing winning basketball, like, comes from a great organization. So I think yeah. that he's a, a very nice add to that roster. That's awesome, especially, I mean, you know, I'm still holding hope that the injury comes well. I, he's not exactly young, I don't believe. You said better no, presence, he's 34. So. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, you know, provided but, the provided the injury rehab goes successfully, which at this point, even if you're not young, ACL is pretty pretty common success to come back from that yeah. even after a lengthy stint. So hopefully it pays off. And there's, I think there's, a, as you are alluding to, there's a strong chance it does, and he is a integral part of whatever Bucks success is next year. For sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think that's enough Bucks on the, talk. On the hey? Bucks. Yeah. No, okay, I for think sure. we covered plenty. Let's let's get into your more Chicago gripes here. Yes. Uh, so I'll start with the draft pick. So 18th pick um, had a lot of people who I thought the Bulls might be going after. You had mentioned this guy in our draft preview, um, which is available now I to had, listen yeah. on all platforms. Um, and you talked about Dale, Dale and Terry. Uh, from the University of Arizona, who the Bulls ended up grabbing at the 18th pick. It, it's it seems it's you know in the three years that Acme have been in charge of the Bulls, it is a common occurrence that they do the opposite of what everyone is thinking. Like everyone is <laughs> thinking, you know, um, Eason, Liddell, Mark Williams, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Where are they going to go? They go Dale and Terry. He fits the mold of kind of what the this front office has wanted to bring in, which is <laughs> they're cornering the market on wings <laughs> who can't shoot. Um, athletic, lengthy, um, very good passer. Um, he was uh, he was a playmaker on that on a very good Arizona team last year, um, and his usage rate was the second lowest on the team for a guy who was a starter for most of the season, which is a <laughs> little concerning but i just feel like on that team he had there were he was surrounded by such a talented roster um he was just more concerned with kind of getting the ball into those guys hands to make the plays which i won't be upset with if he does that when he comes here um like i said six seven seven foot wingspan lots of length he was an all pac 12 defensive team uh member so love to see that we could always use some more perimeter defense 
um, to go along with Caruso and Lonzo. Um, and this one kind of feels like Lonzo insurance a little bit. Obviously, we saw last year the way this team kind of flipped when Lonzo went down 27-13 and 13 before he went down. After that, uh, I think they finished 45-37. and 37, So, I mean, do the math at home. Um, yeah. uh, so, Not great. Yeah, have, having somebody who can kind of fill in that role um, definitely, definitely is a nice addition. Like, as I mentioned, cannot shoot really very well. He shot around like 34%, but it was on very low usage um, uh, and volume. So if he can kind of get more shots up, get in the gym, which seems to be like what he's all about. He wants to put his head down and he and it's a thing online and it's something that I love. He's got that dog in him. <laughs> this man has the dog in him. Coach, uh, the uh, summer league coach for the Bulls is John Bryant, and he was quoted as saying, Terry has been in the gym two to three times a day, and there have been times where they have to, had to kick him out and told him to go home. Like, that work ethic as a rookie is something you love to see. Um, this is a guy who knows that nothing is guaranteed. He has not been handed anything in his basketball career. He's had to work his ass off, and he will continue to do so. Um, and I think he's going to be a really nice add into this roster. Um, so excited to see Dale and Terry play. Um, that always, you know, when you have that first-round pick, you always look forward to Summer League so you can kind of see them in action. Um, that will yeah. be coming. I know it has already started. Um, I know Calif- I think the California teams always start early. Um, but I think the Vegas Summer League starts in the next week or so. So we'll be able to watch a little bit of uh, professional basketball uh, in the next coming weeks. But- that's interesting. Your your reaction as a whole, I, I think when I read the show doc and what you had put in, it didn't sound like you were psyched on him. So I'm glad to hear you agree with me because, as you said, it was a guy I had highlighted. Um, yeah. Do you do you see or was there been any reports about um, the Bulls and their ability or their desire? Is the shot something that needs to be developed? Like, is the shot there? He just hasn't used it a bunch, or is it is it something that needs to be worked on hard, like mechanic wise, like we see with um, with with Bochamp. Yeah. So I think the big thing is just getting him to, to uh, shoot more. I think that's what they want to kind of get him in the gym and taking more shots, just getting more comfortable with that Um, in the catch and shoot scenario. A lot of, if you ever watch his tape, a lot of it is like transition. Like he like steps into threes. Um, He, he started to take them more as the year went on last year. Uh, I think he was getting a little more comfortable with it. Um, But he I think the idea with the with the selection is he has the playmaking ability. He has the defense. We can develop the shot. So okay. that's where the, where the thinking comes from. Um, and like you said, so in the, I am. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, as you say, it's, it seems like we've we've ended up here with two teams with similar picks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty, yours, I mean, yours yeah, might be like, a mental development of shot versus mine, mine physical. But you're right. Like, yeah, um, I think we like it's a it's a hot commodity wing. You can't really oh, yeah. get enough wings in the NBA this this uh, in this era. You know, both guys, six, 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 seven, seven foot wingspan, like good defense and athletic and just need to develop the shot. So if you can develop the shot, you can turn anyone into a, a guy who's sticking around the league for a long time. And I hope I hope both these guys are, are part of that group. Um, but when it comes to free agency, you know, you mentioned that you didn't think I'd be as hyped on the on the on the draft pick. Free agency is a different story. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll start with the good news. We'll I start knew with the, the good point news. complaint Zach was Levine. coming somewhere. <laughs> yes, of course, of course, I have to. It is in my contract. Uh, Zach Levine is back in a Bulls uniform. Everyone can breathe a sigh of relief yeah. after Sorry. the cryptic. Uh, you know, end of season presser talking about taking meetings and, you know, the, all the reports from insiders and yada, yada, yada. Zach signs his max extension, five years, 215 million. It's all fine. Everyone, we can all settle down. He's back. Thank the Lord, because man, this team has not done a lot to get better. Um, We were, I mean, (laughs) and, and not saying that we needed a ton, like, 
looking at the, you know, there was all the talk of Rudy Gobert. Looking at the package that Rudy Gobert went for, the Bulls were never going to be able to match that. I mean, four first-round picks, including... Ah. This year, well, plus this year's, which is five total. Like, we were never going to do that. We don't have that ab- ability. Um, you know, the Kevin Durant, it, it's a, you know, it's not going to happen, everyone. We're not going to trade, you know, oh, half okay. our team Breaking to acquire news. him. Oh, give it to me. No, no, I'm saying breaking news. You're saying it's not going to happen. I think you're crushing a lot oh, of no, Chicagoans' no, no, no. hopes and dreams oh. here. No, I th- and I think everyone can kind of, if you... Look, take off your rose-colored glasses um, and try to understand just the kind of the hierarchy of the NBA and and just the availability of talent that these other teams have, like the Suns, like the Heat. They have ample draft picks, and they have ample young talent they are willing to part with. The Bulls were unwilling to part with Patrick Williams to get Rudy Gobert. It's like, well, if we're not willing to part with with him, like, well, who are we going to trade then? You know, it's like... Well, and... So... On top of that, Katie's yeah. report, as you said, Suns and Heat, they have they have one thing that right. neither of our teams have is the first overall seed in the conference. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it, it, Kevin Durant should just become a mercenary and sign one-year contracts and just sign with someone new every year and, uh, <laughs> until he, his body you know, falls apart. Um, but in terms of who the Bulls got, you know, when it came to before the regular, before the Free agency started. It was all about, well, the Bulls preached continuity. Uh, Karnasovas talked all about that. He want, they, they were not going to make drastic changes. But you were hoping they could bring in people who would kind of inspire a little more confidence. First day, people are going quickly. A lot of names that the Bulls were interested in. And we land on Andre Drummond. And... You know, in a Yay. vacuum, Andre Drummond. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it just does not inspire like <laughs> excitement. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, one of the most insane things is that Andre Drummond is only going to be twenty nine by the time the season starts, which is just yeah, that's wild. unfathomable. I could have sworn he was like as old as Joe Ingles, um, <laughs> but <laughs> Older, he's got a good maybe. five years, right? Like he's he feels like he's been in the league forever, but I feel like that's just what happens when a guy comes in at eighteen and immediately starts making an impact. Um, true, true, true. And, I mean, if you look at it, you know, from above without trying to get too deep in the weeds with with Drummond. Um, last year in 19 minutes a game, he was averaging nine rebounds, nine and a half rebounds. You do that per 36. That's 17, 17, almost 18 rebounds a game. Like in our second unit to have a guy who can go out there and grab nine, 10 rebounds a game. That's huge. That is Replacing yeah. the Tony Bradley and Tristan Thompson minutes with Andre Drummond is a win, and I'll That's I'll say that great. point blank. Like, oh yeah, we are we we get killed on the offensive board. It was a huge problem the Bulls had, um, and to have him go out there and be able to grab boards, catch lobs, it's great. Does he add rim protection that we need? No. Does he add any kind of shot outside of the paint? No. Um, so that's unfortunate, but it I mean. We got our guy for two years, six point six million. It's a fine deal for an Andre Drummond. Um, it's not thrilling. It's it's not in a Mo Bamba. It's not a Mitchell Robinson. You know these younger centers that were, you know, the Bulls were in a lot of rumors, like a lot of swirling names being. You know the Bulls were included in here and there, but to get Andre Drummond, it was a little disappointing. I'll be honest. Um, and then later this weekend, or late earlier this weekend, I should say, um, the Bulls, kind of on a Saturday on Saturday afternoon, just grabbed Goran Dragic. Um, so vet <laughs> minimum for Goran. Uh, <laughs> he's you know thirty six. He's a solid vet, uh, another guard. So now the Bulls are just overflowing with guards. I mean between guards for days. so now you had. You had Dragic, Dale and Terry is a guard. I mean, right. We'll say I'll say that. Then you have Caruso, Ball, Io. That's five. And then you had Kobe White. That's six. So adding Dragic is a nice piece. He didn't play a ton last year, but when he did, he in the playoffs he was he looked very solid for the Nets. Um, obviously, didn't 
change the way the the way the series went or anything like that. But <laughs> no one expects him to do that. Uh, but he's a guy you can rely on to start. Um, he's a he's a fairly good three point shooter. Um, he can handle the ball and and be a playmaker. Um, he's just savvy, which is something this Bulls team needs. This veteran presence. We like to have it calming out there. A guy that people like Io um, and Dale and Terry can look at and kind of, you know, learn from. And because he's a guy who's stuck around for a long time, undersized um, European guy who, who, you know, a lot of times those guys fizzle out pretty quickly. Um, so <laughs> Goran has really made a career uh, for himself and, and been in a lot of big situations he was on that miami heat team in the bubble he was a huge part of that team that yeah, made it was. to the finals um he yeah he was great for years with miami so i'll just always it's just funny that now goran Dragic has come to the bulls because one of the most famous bulls moments of my lifetime is the is when derrick rose dunked on goran Dragic, and stacy king famously yelled out what are you doing, Dragic? Do him like that. What are you doing, Dragic? Did you not get the memo? Derrick Rose can go. And it just stand. always has stuck with us. Whenever I hear the name Goran Dragic, I think of that line. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. It, it, so it's just now funny to have him on our team. And I'm just, in, I'm intrigued to see what Stacey King is going to say when, uh, when he find, when you know, when Same. he makes his first appearance. Twitter clip it when he first makes a mention of that dunk, if he ever does. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure Adam Amin will be like, Stacy, do you remember when you first mentioned Goran Dragic, like, in your career? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, did the Bulls improve in this free agency? Short answer, no. They really didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, adding two veterans, you know, they were in on, like, Gallo, Danilo Gallinari. That also would have not mm. given me much much uh strong feelings towards improvement you know i just feel like with the top four in the east is just we're, we're just we didn't move up a tier you know there's there's miami there's milwaukee there's boston and there's um philly philly and so you have those four and then i think you put the bulls in with like toronto um Atlanta, maybe Charlotte, Cleveland, Cleveland. maybe Charlotte, yeah, for yeah. sure Cleveland. So that is where the bull, which is like, is not a bad place to be. Um, it still makes you desirable as far as free agency goes. We'll see how things play out. Obviously, we're going to need things to shake out well for us again, and injuries. I mean, it's just like we need to be healthy. Like, please, for the love of God. Yeah. Um, and one last thing Wouldn't before it be great I, if you could just guarantee that. <laughs> I, I, I would sell my soul. I mean, seriously, for that. <laughs> like, just, I don't know what that entails, but I would do it. Um, and uh, one more thing before I stop my rambling. I just wanted to say, okay, I think this is all still leading to a possible Kobe White trade. You know, I broke oh. down the I broke down the guard room. We're looking at five, six starting quality guards on this Bulls team. That's yeah. too many. Sorry, too many. It's a lot. Too many cooks in the kitchen, um, <laughs> and I think Kobe White is the odd man out here. We already saw his his you know his minutes go down last year. He had moments of brilliance and moments of absolute madness. Um, he was terrible in the playoffs against Milwaukee. Like I think it's just time to strike while the iron is. It's not hot. It's not even warm. It's just above room temperature um and i think we pack we find a way to package him with the portland pick we have for next year it's a first round pick lottery protected but i think we could get something of use something young preferably someone who has upside with shooting um and just bring another wing in here because I feel like all of our forward um, hopes are on the shoulders of Patrick Williams. And while he is, I feel he is going to develop into something that is special for this Bulls team, putting all of this pressure onto him as a 20 year old going on 21, like to be this superstar 
you know, savior for this Bulls kind of core is just unfair, honestly. And we need to give him, we need to take a little pressure off him, give him someone that he can sort of run with. And I don't know who it is. I would probably need to do more research into who's available, who who's on maybe on an expiring contract who's yeah say even a guy who's been, this, who does even this land been, you right like who's been underperforming maybe on their rookie deal and maybe needs a change of scenery um so right. it's all just something to look into something to keep an eye on i feel i still feel that kobe white is the odd man out in this guard room and would be the one that if the bulls are looking to make a move they talked about it before the the draft they talked about packaging um, that, you know, well, they didn't talk about it explicitly, but there were rumors of them, ex- uh, you know, packaging the 18th pick and Kobe. Obviously, that didn't happen. Now, I feel like there's still a chance to package the Portland pick with Kobe, get something of merit and kind of give me a different perspective on this offseason. Um, you still have a chance. I know you're listening. Arturis Karnasovas, please help me out. I need something to look forward Come to. Come on, Arturis. Please help a brother out. <laughs> Seriously. I'm on my knees um, yeah, but that's really all I've got. You got anything else to add before we move along and get out of here? I just wonder if he'll ever be restricted by the billionaire owner who is simultaneously ruining another baseball franchise while while oh, yeah. running this team. Jerry Ryan, Jerry Reinsdorf. I I forgot to mention him. Yeah, he. I don't know what it Sucks. is about Chicago. Chicago and those billionaire owners, they always like to cry poor. He is the unwillingness to go over the tax line and pay the luxury tax just makes me cringe to no other level. I mean, the Bulls inability to spend with the big boys. He's literally doesn't want to spend the tax line because if if he doesn't spend if, if every team goes below the tax line at a certain amount. The Clippers and Warriors are so far over the tax line that then they give money back to every team that is under the tax. Mm-hmm. The Bulls are the, Jerry Reinsdorf is literally sitting here waiting for a handout from these two yeah. teams that should be your contemporaries. You're like their little brother. Why are you waiting right. for these handouts? Yeah, the this Warriors are happy to hand you out had, when they've won how many rings in the past? What, five rings in the past? Four, f- four, four in rings. seven years or something like that. Yeah. So and, and now two to, more trips to the finals with that. The, it, I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's the Cubs. It's the White Sox. It's the it's the Bulls, the Bears. Like it, it's everywhere in this city where these <laughs> billionaire owners are so un, un, you know, unapologetically cheap and unwilling to spend like they are in the third largest market in the United States. It's unbelievable. He is just happy to bring a playoff team to Chicago reap the benefits of those playoff tickets sales and the advertising and the tv deals and whatnot and then just be like okay we're the sixth seed this year that's great we'll lose in the first round but hey we made a little extra money on our ticket sales and the concessions so that's bullshit and i and i fear my worst fear is that the bulls become the white Sox, and drastically underperform and we're and this time next year we're talking about what moves need to be made to reset this roster and well at least you don't have a coach currently that that is making the entire team become complacent let's just leave it there true true um i think that's all for us for this week uh thanks everybody for listening as always um evan anything else before i uh hit stop on the record button uh no i'm gonna go throw on my uh city connect jersey watch the already up to nothing uh brewers on the cubs hopefully that doesn't age to hurt me um and enjoy my night that's not beefing with our producer oh that's my (laughs) that's my life that's That's been my life for the last that's been my life for the last however long i've known michelle so uh noel if you're out there heart emoji um we love all the work you do for us you're the best yes you're the best best producer in the world um find us anywhere you listen to podcasts give us a five-star review like subscribe comment um share with a friend share with an enemy yeah don't forget to follow us instagram twitter um 
Maybe we'll make a MySpace. I heard that's coming back. Um, Is it really? God damn it, dude. No. I mean, I don't okay. think it ever left. Um, I mean, it didn't yeah. even leave. Anyway, I, I, was, was, I would lose it if MySpace became popular. Okay, anyways, yeah. I was never on MySpace, so it's the first time for everything. Um, but yeah, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Check us out on MySpace. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Go Brew Crew.